Inside of You is brought to you by Netflix. Battle Creek, Michigan, 1963. Kellogg's and Post, sworn cereal rivals, race to create a pastry that will change the face of breakfast forever. A wildly imaginative tale of ambition, betrayal, and menacing milkmen, sweetened with artificial ingredients. Unfrosted stars Jerry Seinfeld in his directorial debut. It features a supporting cast of comedy greats, including Melissa McCarthy, Jim Gaffigan, Hugh Grant, Amy Schumer, Max Greenfield, Christian Slater, Sarah Cooper, Bill Burr, and many more. Friday, May 3rd, only on Netflix. Inside of You is brought to you by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. This is an amazing platform. I use it on both podcasts. It has worked wonders for me. It's so amazing how easy it is to navigate. If you want to sell products, T-shirts, soap scents, whatever, whatever it is, Ryan, you want to sell, this is the way to do it. Uh, you can see what your best seller is right there, analytics, uh, how much you're making this month, uh, what products are selling the best. It's really fantastic. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to, to the did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash inside, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash inside now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash inside. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Guys, I want to thank you for all your support. And and don't worry, Inside of You is is still hanging around. We're uh we're doing it but without your support, we wouldn't be doing it. And I see so many people wearing shirts and telling their friends and I've just been enjoying the hell out of this. I I, I really found purpose and uh, I found you and you found me and so keep listening and and spread the word. On another good note before we get into Matthew Lillard, I have a new podcast. Of course, Inside of You will still hear, don't worry. On Tuesdays. But Starting on Monday, August 26th, in love with Michael Rosenbaum and Chris Sullivan. Chris Sullivan, This Is Us, nominated for an Emmy, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, what else? The Nick. I mean, the guy's been in everything. He's the nicest, sweetest guy. He was a guest on Inside of You, and uh, we just became friends. And we're like, why don't we do a podcast? He's married. I'm single. We, ha- we talked to our married friends. My ex-girlfriend was on the show, on the new show, and uh, she brought her baby in. And like, why didn't it work out with us? It's just a real interesting uh, perspective on relationships. And we talk about what we're grateful for, what we love. It's a, I think you're going to really enjoy it. Today on Inside of You, we're going to air the teaser for In Love with Michael Rosenbaum and Chris Sullivan. And it's a five-minute teaser. I hope you'll listen to it. Follow us on all the social media at In Love Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. 
There's a hotline. You can call up and leave messages and ask us questions. Chris and I will be happy to answer them. 323-207-5676. I'm going to listen to the teaser. Then we'll get into Matthew Litter. But remember, every Monday, starting on the 26th, in love with Michael Rosenbaum and Chris Sullivan. Let's listen to that teaser. Welcome to In Love with Michael Rosenbaum and Chris Sullivan, where we explore the universal language of love, walk through the struggles of love lost, and together navigate the bumpy and gratifying road to happiness. Loving me, loving myself, working on my state of mental health, and I never thought it would go this far. Said we'd just be friends, but I'm standing here full of emptiness. I confess, I'm a beautiful man. You know. I called you up, Chris, and I said, I want to do a show with you because I like you. You were on my podcast inside of you mm-hmm. with Michael Rosenbaum, That's and right. I just was like, I like you. You're a good human being, and I, as I get older, I want to surround myself with better human beings, people I care about, people who care about me, people who want to see me do better. Right. And I just felt like instantly you said, hey, every day I like to uh, text a friend what I'm grateful for mm-hmm. in the morning, and I was like, what? Who are you? You don't do this in Hollywood. <laughs> and I started like finding myself texting you going, Chris, I'm grateful for my dogs. I'm grateful that I woke up this morning. I'm grateful even to my ex-girlfriend for dumping me. I'm grateful for, and by being grateful, it's a necessity in life. Mm-hmm. And it just made me think, I want to do a podcast about, I don't even know what it's about in the beginning until we sort of hashed it out we kind of talked about it well we said let's talk about the things that we're in love with there's enough negativity flying around there's enough sarcasm there's enough uh irony so let's talk about the things that we love let's talk about the people we love let's talk about how we love others let's talk about uh, our friendship and how it's growing life in general and it's just not you know it's not always good like you know there's lost love i've been brokenhearted everybody out there has been you know they've had their heart broken you've had your heart broken it's like how do you keep love how do you deal with lost love this is a show about what, Chris? Well, it's a show about being in love. Being perpetually single. Sharing your life with someone. Sleeping with two dogs. We're going to talk about what it means to be vulnerable. I don't know what that means. I know. We're going to talk about couples therapy. I'm going to talk about going to couples therapy alone. We're going to talk about having respect for your partner. Farting whenever you want. See, on the In Love podcast, we are going to break down things that we love, and we will talk to you, our listeners, and our guests about the things that they love. Yeah, and in the end, we hopefully will come out better friends. Better lovers. Well, not you and me. But yeah, they get it. And better human beings. Yeah, I think that's good. We'll have our listeners call the In Love Hotline, yeah. answering your questions. I like this because this is kind of cool. So every week, we'll have a hotline. The In Love Hotline number is 323 323- 207-5676. And you guys, your questions will be answered, hopefully. You know, we'll pick the best ones, keep them short, you know, like 20 seconds or 30 seconds. And we're going to do the, to the best of our knowledge between a single guy who's been single his whole life, guy who's married. You know, we've been through everything together. We're going to give you our opinion on what things you should do. Or what Ask us do. questions about love, about yeah. life, about relationships. 80s Yacht Rock. We have, uh, we have all of the answers on that subject. Yeah, and you know what? Celebrity guests and their partners will come in on some of these shows. They'll give us some insight into what makes their relationships work. And you know, celebrities are fucked up. You know, their relationships hardly ever work. Most of the time. Can you get Mandy Moore and her husband? No, but I can probably get Michael Moore. Listen, we're going to bring my wife in. 
Rachel? Yeah. Dude, I think that's a great idea because I want to hear the shit because there's no way it's a perfect marriage. Listen, what we have realized that, uh, especially when it comes to relationships, it's not about the one. There is no the one. It's about the work. And you mm. put the work in and you get out what you put in. I like that. We're also going to talk to your ex-girlfriends. We are. To your assistant. Mm. Mm -hmm. To your she friends. She signed a non-disclosure. That's right. Well, we're tearing it up because... <laughs> Fine. Because because we are going to discuss <laughs> why you are single and what keeps going wrong. But if anybody's listening to this, that's a girl, which hopefully will have a lot of female listeners. Uh, maybe they won't want to be with me because I'm going to be honest and vulnerable about things. I'm not going to give you a bunch of bullshit. Listen, that's, that's one of the things I like about this show. This is going to be us being honest. And anytime we're going to call bullshit. That's right. Honesty and vulnerability, even even in situations where someone may have flaws or may have some kind of damage, is attractive, Michael. Thank, so, thank you. I think, Chris. No, I do. Hey. I, I am damaged. I think we're all damaged. We're all broken people just trying to put ourselves back together. And maybe on this podcast, we can help each other do that. Every week, come join us and uh, hopefully become better people in this dark, dark world. Let's bring some light into this world, brother. A little bit of love. In love with Michael Rosenbaum. And Chris Sullivan. We're a beautiful man. You're blown away by my. You're you are huh? the. You're a palace of masculinity. This is a I, palace of masculinity. Is that what it is? Yes. Why? Because first of all, um, you have gear. Like you have stuff. You're a collector. Your your nature is to collect things. I don't have that. So, so I look around and there's like jerseys, <laughs> masculine jerseys, and they're signed by dudes who are probably sweaty when they signed it. Am I covering up something? Is that what you're insinuating? I, you have great abs. And you're no, I don't. Not so stuff. much right now. What are you now. talking about? Well, I don't have great abs. You haven't seen my abs. Anybody with a t-shirt could cover their abs. I look like a thin guy, but maybe my abs are just like abless. Mm. I'm telling you, I don't. I have really great don't abs. want proof. I want you, you look to like look. you're in good shape. I'm. I'm in yeah. this. I've, you just. Did I'm a movie. not in good shape. You just did a movie. No, no. You just did something because your hair is really handsome. Oh, yeah, yes. I have blonde hair. Now I like it. I think you look good in blonde. My uh, my wife is not appreciative. She is not interested but, in having um, a husband middle-aged with but it's like, how, What do you think? You're it's, 20, how old are you? How, why do you have these young kids? Look at He makes me feel old. God damn it. 25. Look, now, let me tell you something. Isn't it exciting for you because your wife gets to have sex with a different person almost? She's not interested. In We're not having sex with. I mean, because she doesn't like your hair. Yeah, well, because we've been together for 20 years. You, What's the longest partner you've ever Three had? Three years. I like how you said partner too. Well, I'm just saying. Very I'm not going to assume anything in this day. And Listen, age. I a lot of people have assumed I'm gay in in the past. Well, no, I lop it. Is that true? Yeah, my mom, my uh, what? my uh, you know family friends. You know, when you're in Hollywood and you're an actor, I played transvestites. I've been gay in movies. People, you know, can say that, but I'm very comfortable with my sexuality, so it doesn't bother me. Sure, I'll kiss a man on the lips. I'd kiss you right now if you brushed your teeth. It's all about good breath. It's not about gender. I've had coffee, so you can have coffee breath. Yeah, it's probably not the best kiss you've ever had. Do you? <laughs> Pretty scratchy, but I do have blonde hair. So I'm that would be an intimate moment. <laughs> Thank you for allowing me to be inside of you today, Matthew yeah, Lillard. That's nice. You, you don't like Matthew, good. you like Matt. I like anything this side of shithead. Really? Yeah. How long have you been doing this, by the way? This podcast? Yeah. yeah. I mean, really, we had our, a, a, a launch in June was our real launch like uh -huh. to start the show. Did you so. bank a bunch of them? Yeah, we, ba we banked quite a few. In fact, we have... 
you know, if I go off to do a show or whatever a movie, I have like a comfort, like a three month zone. Oh wow! So I have That's a lot, good. but you know, we bump up. Like if you know the guest is good, no pressure, or if something's coming out, <laughs> I'm stripping right now. Well, Cut to, <laughs> I'm stripping. I'm nuding up. I'm going to do the entire nude. Dude, you are taking nude. your shirt off right now. This is amazing. <laughs> oh my god, you have a great body. See how I could spin that? People think you're really naked. Oh, this is terrible. I know now they know you're lying. I don't have. A, I've always been that tall guy who was oddly fat on the inside. Well, you did a movie about a, a kid who was overweight, right? I did. I you directed, directed a movie called Fat Kid Rules the World. Yeah. Was was that any of that inspired by like you? Of course, yeah. Thank God. How? Were you fat as a child? I was. Fat's not the right word. Um, What's the word? Obese? That no, sounds worse I than obese. fat. I don't think I was ob- I wasn't obese. It doesn't matter. Cherubic? What- Here's the funny thing. People are like, you. I always talk about my weight. For some reason, I always make a joke about not having abs or... Um, it doesn't matter actually what you are physically because you can be in in good shape. If you still feel like you're a fat kid, then you are always gonna feel like a fat. Kid. Do you know what's funny is I've always I still feel like the small smallest kid in high school, the right. kid that got picked on, the kid that didn't get laid, couldn't get nailed in wood shop. Right. You know that's the, I do feel like that. I feel even though I have confidence and all this stuff, but I still have that feeling of like sure. that little boy who didn't get approval from his daddy. So I, I I understand the uh, the psychology of that. Yeah. So what you're saying is you've always felt. Yeah, I've always of... look. I've always felt like, you know, I I mean, for me, like high school wasn't a great time. Why? I didn't have a great time. Well, I had a severe learning disability. What What was that? Dyslexia? Was, no, it wasn't dyslexia. I couldn't I couldn't process auditorily. So I could. If you tell me um, the rules of math. Like you explain it. Somebody has to explain it to you. And I have to look at it on the board and they explain it. I that does not go through my brain. Yeah, I think if I, I read it, like if you give me a history book, I'm money. I could read at a really high not level. Me. I couldn't do math. What no, I'm you? the opposite. I like when people teach me things. If they're a good teacher and they can articulate in a way that's interesting and uh pleasant and uh, I, for some reason there was those those good teachers like my Mrs. Rao, my history teacher. She made uh-huh. she made history interesting. Uh, Mrs. Uh, Muller with uh, English. We did Romeo and Juliet, and I and I, I got like an A minus on the fucking quiz. Sure, that I mean because she was interesting. Yeah, but I could was, you, were you a good reader? I don't think I'm a good reader. I think I get I have ADD. So uh-huh. what happens is I read and then I read three pages and realize I don't know what the fuck I just read. Right, and I got to do something else. Do you do that, or you read and you comprehend? You get. It I had really crazy reading comprehension. See, that's amazing because I think that's why it's harder for me to learn line the, lines these days. No, it's because you're old. How old are you now? How old <laughs> are you? You're no, it is. Fuck. It happens. Dude, your brain starts to fall. I mean, it just doesn't oh my stick God. like it used to. Well, I work. it's also, yeah. a, like, if you're working, if you're, on, like, you know, if you're working a lot, if you're on a show, like, that muscle comes back fast. It does. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm test screening for a show, and, and now I'm kind of like, oh, my God. I got to learn these lines. Sure. Can I still learn these lines? And now you have to go and get a job in light of not having a job, like it's always easy to get a job if you have a pocket full of money and you've been working and you go from one thing to the next thing. But it's when it's when that space happens and like that fear starts to creep in that really. Well, it's you probably up. for you. You have a family. So you're not just thinking oh, about God. Matt Lillard. You're thinking about Mrs. Lillard. Sure. 
What's the missus name? Uh, Heather. Heather Lillard. Yeah, yeah. That's 19 years of marriage. Uh, 19 this year, yeah. I don't know why I knew that. Maybe I read something. That's crazy. Yeah, That's a lot. Something. And you have two, lot. two children? Three. Three, three children. Kids, so you have to 14, work. And 10. You can't F around. Like for me, I'm a single guy. I've had this house for many years. So I could sort of have a little bit of limit of effing around. Oh, that's good. I don't have. I mean, you, I have freak? that. I have that because we, you know, we have structured our life now that we can get through no matter what. Do you have a business manager? Uh, yeah, I do. Do you pay him like a, a no. re, like a monthly Except, thing? No, no. I mean, I do have somebody that helps me monthly, sort of stay on track with taxes, but not like they don't pay my bills. I pay my bills. You pay your bills. Yeah. But there is this thing, I mean, people may not know is that there's a thing in Hollywood that people will pay a percentage of your check to yeah. have somebody basically write your checks for you so you don't have to ever worry about yeah, your own money. And you always hear about the Billy Joels of the world yeah. and the uh, the rappers, MC Hammer, who then go bankrupt. Yeah, and, and I used to do it. By, I used to do it. I mean, yeah. I used to be Because you were told by your agent, you, you need a business. Yeah, manager. and I also, like, I made money and I didn't really care. And I was a kid, like this bastard here. I was twenty, you know, twenty six or twenty seven years old, and you're making money. Tyler's not making money. That's the difference no. with you two. <laughs> but but people would be like He's making money off this editing of, of our show. What a treat! He's yeah, really I'm, good. I'm broke as shit. But, uh, <laughs> so yeah. You do not need Michael a business manager. Michael doesn't really manager. pay me at not, all. Actually, you do not need a business manager. <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm paying you. Um, oh, but yeah, but they would. I guess so. How yeah. much? A hundred bucks, and you get a credit in junior college. Yeah, well, he gets paid. Yeah, per pot per podcast, he edits the podcast. That's he's good. been with us since the beginning, right? Yeah, and he's been he's fantastic. I know we went off on a tangent. Tyler, we're back. Yeah. But you know, he you know, I'm not going to tell you how much he makes, but I think it's it's a fair thing. Yeah. But I think he's worth a lot more. If I if this was a blow up kind of podcast, like just blowing the shit up, so it's it's good. Right. But like if it if it gets bigger, what is blowing I, up. I mean, like our buddy Dax, he comes over one he day, he does, he does my podcast, and then he gets the idea, I want to do a podcast, because I liked yours, and then all of a sudden, he then goes, hey, can I borrow Rob, my my producer Rob, who's usually sitting where Tyler is, and right. I go, sure, you're my, one of my best friends, get him anything you want, take my house, and uh, then next thing you know, he's gotten hundreds, I mean, he's huge, that, that podcast is huge, I think I got podcast of the year or some shit. Oh, that's good. So I wonder what I'm doing wrong, and then I think, wait a minute, they know a lot of celebrities, they're on fucking Ellen, they're you know, Krista. The two of them are but big. Yeah, and they're, they're the big. most they're humble big. people in the world. I, it, it sickens me, they're so, they're so good. They're I, dear I, humans. They're dear humans that look on Instagram and it's like... She's doing something for teachers. She's doing something Teacher for cancer. Week. She's yeah. doing, and I'm sitting there going, "Hey, I'm on cameo." <laughs> you know what the fuck's wrong with me? Well, I'm I not mean, rich as them. You, I, no, I'm not rich. No, it's not. It doesn't they do with rich. Do you do that cameo thing? Have you done it? Now, here's the thing. I heard some thing, people were like, "Oh, you know, it gets a bad rap. Oh, it gets, but you know, it's a, it's a contract. You know, it's like sure. some people love it. And you know, my buddy Sean Aston, who's you know, in Rudy, I like Sean. great guy. And no, he's like, you should do this. I'm like, why? He's like, because people who will never meet you, who might want to meet you, have the opportunity to meet you, and you can't talk to tons of people, thousands and thousands of people, and say happy birthday or have a great wedding. But with this, you can. So people can go on there and go. Matt Lillard, I'm a huge fan. I've always been a fan of yours, and I never can meet you because I live in fucking Turtleneck, Saskatchewan. Sure. And I just want to, you know, I want to... I Look, if somebody writes me a... Sends me a letter with a picture. I sign it and send it. I don't make them pay for it. Right. I do it. You send me a picture, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to... Do you do conventions? Do I do, do conventions. Yeah. And here's what I think about conventions, because at first, you know, there's part of me that was like, ah. And then I thought, you're an idiot. 
where do you go for vacation, Matt? Uh, what do you like to go? We don't really go. I mean, we're going to look at college. Not with that hair. Not with that hair. <laughs> not with my wife. No, we don't. I mean, we'll go to Europe once we try to go to Europe. Okay. Get the kids out. Fair enough. You go to Europe. These folks, they love the sci-fi world. They love uh, Harry Potter. They love Smallville. They love Scream. They love whatever. And it's their vacation. Sure. So they're there to spend money and get an autograph. Now, would it be worth my time if I just was like, hey, I'm going to go there uh, you know, once a month to a different place and just sign autographs? for the hell of it and pay for my own flight and pay. I just couldn't do that. Right. Who would do that? So this is some a thing like and I always like you know I think it's important like when you you know you give a lot of attention to someone. Yeah, but yeah. at the end of those days I'm exhausted. Oh yeah yeah. Because you're just like going, "Hey man, what's going? Hug me and pictures yeah, and yeah. whatever." And you make their experience like fant- as great as you can make it. Look, I have I always when I started because I do them now and you know, when I started doing it, I was like, this is really transactional. I feel stupid. I mean, I feel like I'm stealing. I mean, if you ran into me on the streets in, you know, at a mall, wherever you are, I'll sign anything for anything. Anyone. Me too. Anything. And, you know, I was like, why am I going to ask for money? And this, it's weird. It's, it feels like a weird thing. And then I got there and then I realized there's a way to transact with somebody that you can affect change in somebody's life in less than two minutes. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. You can find that kid that fell in love with SLC Punk or, you know, is a Scream fan who's Scooby you know, Doo. This, you know, this, yeah. yeah, of course you've got this, you know, you've got a you know, a gay kid in the Midwest, or you've got this kid who's cutting himself or a drug, you know, the, there are people out there that you giving them a hug, dealing and, and talking to them and seeing them and asking them how they are can that transaction, that human transaction can change somebody's life in a very quick sort of, uh, you know, in, in a moment. And I, I like it. I mean, look, I, you know, it's also a way that if you're not working, that there is a way to make, you know, to be able to feed your kids. It, it's a, as our business changes, like, look, as we used to make a lot more money than what we make now. I mean, people, our industry is now run by people who are trying to make the most money possible and trying to squeeze everything out. And part of that is in our side. I mean, on the acting side, they're going to go pay number one and number two and number three on the call sheet. I'm not usually that guy. And so they are going to get you for as little as they possibly can. And, you know, the ability to like sort of feed your kids, keep your kids in school, get them to college, all a lot of that has happened you know, in a couple ways, my wife went back to work. We changed the way we live our life. We changed sort of the dynamic of our house and, you know, and, and these moments, these cons are a big part of like getting through. It's been awesome. Uh, you said something just now and it made me think about an interview I watched with you. Oh my gosh. Uh, Do you uh, you research everyone before they sit down? I'm very quick. Here's the deal. I just go off the cuff. Sure. You know, I don't, I don't care about that stuff, but I, what I like is talking about talking to real people, you know, you know, their insecurities, their anxieties, or what makes them tick, what makes them successful, what makes them, it's more of like, it's kind of therapy for me to be a better person sure. in the audience. So that's what that's kind of like. So the, the research is kind of like, it, it doesn't really matter, but I did watch one interview and in an interview, I think it said something like, if you, you said this, tell me if I'm wrong, Okay. that if you're number one on a call sheet, the movie's probably bad. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. said that. I probably did. Why would you say that? <laughs> well, Here's why, first of all, oh, yeah, before okay. you say your answer, okay. <laughs> I look at you and I'm like, if Matthew Lillard's number one on a call sheet, I'm doing the movie. I think he's a terrific actor. Right. He's got charisma out the ass more than most people. Right. He's, he's a great guy. He's talented as hell. I want to work with him. He looks like fun. You're number one as an actor. I'm going, great. Who else? Let's, do, let's read the script now. 
Uh, here's the reason I said, first of all, I, I'm making a vow. That I've made a vow this year to stop with the self-deprecation at, I do the too. Same it's level, okay. at the same level that I do it. But the reality is that somebody investing money in making a movie, you have to spend a lot of money. I mean, you can do, you know, you can do it for nothing, but most movies, you know, you need 3 million bucks. Somebody that's going to invest $3 million is usually going to make an investment in somebody that's going to potentially get them more than their you know money back. And in general, that's not, it hasn't been me. Look, I was in a movie called SLC Punk. I was number one on the call sheet. I was, you know, super proud of that work. I love doing it. He loves it. it. Tyler loves yeah, that movie. I, mean, I like, love that movie. It was so it's good. It's a killer little movie. And like, you know, Scooby-Doo, I was the highest ranking human on that movie. It did pretty well. Um, Wait, the highest ranking what? Human. Like Scooby-Doo is number one. Oh, oh I was, yeah. I was number two. You were number one. I was, well, yeah, I was number two. But So that was a payday. Highest ranking human, which sure. I like to say a lot. Yeah. Um, but you know, but those but those moments are hard. I mean, like you know, those moments are hard to get. And the longer I've been around, the you know, I used to as a kid. Look, I used to chase it so bad. I used to want to be that star. I wanted to be the guy. Look, if you're playing basketball, you're playing hockey. You want to be the guy in the last. You know, you want to have a shot to win the game. You want to be. Yeah. You want it. You want it to matter. I don't want to be number ten on the call sheet. If you like me and you believe in me as an actor, and you're like. People like working with me. Then why don't you ever get that shot? You know, why don't you get that shot? Yeah, quit hitting the goddamn God table. It. I want that shot. You Tyler, every there. time you're hitting the table, I like how active you are. But he's like looking and go, oh, don't, oh, don't. Oh. Um, uh, yes, I understand. Yes, you that. want that shot. So, so the reality is that I've been number one on that call sheet, and a lot of times the script, when it gets down to me, isn't a great script. It's not a great director. It's not a lot of money, and it's it's bad. You know, it's bad. Like the best script is going to the guys that are going to make you the most money back. Yeah. And the reality is that the script that comes to me that's number one on the call sheet in general hasn't been a great script, hasn't been a great opportunity. It's like, you know, I can get every bad movie offer out there for a horror film. It doesn't make it us. It doesn't make it, you know, a great horror movie. Do you? All right. Two things. Yeah. First of all. Stupid question, but do you give it all you got no matter what movie it is? Dude, look at my whole career. I am chewing up every scene. I'm doing everything I can to be incredible. I have this idea of, look, I have always gone by and subscribed to the ideas. You have to try to be brilliant. You have to try to be fucking the most amazing actor in the world. You're going to fall short, make mistakes, but you are reaching for brilliance. And you can't reach for brilliance by hitting a mark and saying a line. So I have always brought, especially to my movie career, especially when I was younger, this idea of like, fuck, go for it. Do something incredible. Look, I think that I've, I've reached moments in my life that I'm super proud of. And I've watched movies where I look back and I'm like, oh, my God, what was I thinking? But, you know, I mean, there are moments in my life. I, I mean, look, I just did this thing in, in, you know, in New York. I blonde, I dyed my hair platinum blonde. I'm like, why are you doing that? I'm like, I mean, the guy's on the run. He's like going to change the way he looks. And they're like, well, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like the monster of the week on this show. And I'm like, this is what I want to do. And then there's a scene in the movie, in the show. You can't say what it is. Uh, I don't think I can. I mean, yeah, I guess I can. I'm an FBI. So there's a pilot for FBI's Most Wanted. It's on CBS. Right. And there's a scene in the show where he's like losing his mind. He's like, you know, he is. You know, uh, he's he's at his wit's end and he's you know he's not a good dude and like the director who i loved w- came up to me on the first day and he's like hey whatever happens in this scene happens 
It was like super dramatic. I was like, well, what does that mean? Like, freaking out? Well, yeah, because I know what he means. He wants it to be an emotional scene. He wants there to be. I thought he was telling you to do a Brando or something. No, no. Well, he was like, but he was like, the thing he wanted was to know that you could go, like that you should go there. Right. And the pressure of that moment's a big deal. You know, it's big. It's a, it's a, do you like when the director gives you a note like that? I don't, because I want you just to give me what you want. And my job is to provide you what you need. Right. The idea of like, I don't want to talk about it because then it, then it makes it bigger than an act. He, in the, in trying not to make it a big deal, he actually made it a much bigger deal. But in this moment, look, there's a, a three-page scene where you're like, okay, I get what the, I, the given my creative emotional instincts tell me this kid's at the end of the line right. and he's losing his mind. So on that day, like your job is to lose your mind. I mean, and you lost it. Yeah. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Did you walk away thinking, was that too much? Oh, it's, I'm always too much. I am always too much. I, but I have no fear in being too much. But listen, if you wouldn't have been too much, like scream, nobody right. would have done. I, I auditioned for that. Same oh, role. Oh, and I remember I go, oh my God. It's like when I watched that movie Primal Fear with Ed Norton. I go, oh, yeah. I auditioned, I tested for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this guy's so much better than me. You know, and I looked at you and Scream and I go, oh my God, no wonder they went with this guy. Different. I couldn't compete. You were so, there was moments where there's spit coming out of your mouth. There's like such intensity that you're like such in a moment that I'm like, is he improvising this whole thing? Is he, is this, it, feel, it felt real. Yeah, yeah. But that's a chance you take. And if you hit, genius on a couple of those yeah and then you don't on the others isn't that okay i mean look i look back on my career and be like yeah if you look at scream now it's hilarious i mean it's just this eat chewing of scenery and just like beyond like it's 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 gone beyond sort of normal acting which in the moment felt right the movie, it sort of worked in the movie. I mean, you know, obviously. Sort of. You know, Dude, I mean, you, you stole the movie. Well, I don't know about that. Dude, I mean, Tyler, did you ever see Scream? Yeah, absolutely. I mean. I was, I was talking about it earlier. That's like one of the most like replicated for like years and years after that. It was like two killers like that. Yeah. It changed. It was, it was iconic. But yeah, it, cha- it definitely. Look, that movie came out of nowhere in that, you know, Wes hadn't done a great movie in a long time. You know, nobody had ever really put two actresses that were on TV. I mean, Courtney Cox and Nev Campbell were both on TV at the time. Right. That crossover was not happening at that point. You were either a movie actor or TV You got actor. Henry Winkler. Henry Winkler that comes kinda, back yeah. as the Fonz. It kind of came out of nowhere. And it was released on Christmas Day. And you're like, what is this thing? And I'll never forget they, um, the opening weekend. We didn't do great numbers. And this was before the internet. So you like you sort of had a call in, and your agent would tell you the numbers you had for the opening weekend, and it wasn't great. But don't Wes, worry, we got hackers. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Wes Craven called and said, "Congratulations, you're in a big hit." And I was like, "Well, he didn't have great numbers," and uh, he said the exit polls were like nothing they'd ever seen before. So they knew even that opening weekend that the exit polls were like off the charts, and it's sort of you know next thing you know. 
seven, eight weeks later, you had a $100 million party, and it's like, wow, this is crazy. This movie kind of came out of nowhere. Were you getting a lot of offers at that time? No, dude, I've never got a lot of offers. Even then, like, everyone's like, a scream changed your life. It didn't. It didn't so change my like, life at all. So they're like, get Skeet Ulrich. Get this guy. Yes. Get, so I mean, these... Skeet went on to do, like, three big movies after that. Nev did great. I mean, Courtney obviously was going back to make a million dollars an episode, and... You know, and everyone else in the movie went on to make the sequel. And, you and I was dead. So I was like, yeah. oh, you know, so what? that's in, where in you. A, in a way, I mean, like, even when I did Smallville, it was a huge success, but Tom was getting offers to do movies. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. I wasn't really getting money yeah, yeah. offers. I was like the bald, weird guy. And I was like, huh, I thought they liked me. I thought I'm doing a good job here. But yeah. why am I not getting offers? Well, you're not six foot five and fucking gorgeous. That's why. And I'd tell, son of a bitch! Son of a bitch! But uh, you know, it, it is. But it is that thing? But doesn't that drive you? I mean, that for a long time in my life and my career, that drove me crazy. Oh, it yeah. drove me crazy that Freddie, who I love, was off making movie after movie after movie after movie and paying gazillions of dollars, and I was fighting for like you know for scraps. And I'm like, dude, why? What do I have to do? Like, where do I get the win? And I always like for me as a kid, I was like chasing that desperately to be that number one, to be that movie star. And it wasn't until I've been doing it now for 30 years and 29 years or something, 28 years. And I just think that it becomes way more about journey, way more about tribe, way more about fellowship, being surrounded by people that you love and doing the things you like rather than chasing a, a call sheet number. Yeah, not only that because I felt the same way. I mean, I'm I'm still working on. My, I mean, we're always working on ourselves, but for so long I just was like, you know, I want to be this guy. I want to be this star. I want to be. I want to be. You got when people are like, "What are you doing now?" You want to be like, "Oh, I'm doing this and I'm doing this." Sure. Am I, you know, and then all of a sudden you got. I'm so exhausted of always trying to be perfect and great and being something that, you know, I that I want people. It's you want to get acceptance. You want to get. There's all this. There's a lot of psychology to it, right? But. There comes a time when you just got to go because it's it killed me. I think it, it like ultimately it was killing me, like just exhausting where the point where I was just like so tired all the time because I was just always on, always trying to be. And I've worked on myself religiously, but I don't, I don't know. I think it's I think it's tough because especially you seem like a perfectionist, or at least you were. And no, were you not, were you not hard on yourself? No, in fact, I love watching my. I'm like, I don't. You're not hard on yourself. No, not at all. You don't get like in your head. You don't get nervous. You don't get anxiety. You don't get. No, I get. I mean, I get anxiety, sure, and I do get nervous. But I, I don't know what you how you came up. But I was a kid that had nothing in high school. I wasn't great at sports. I mean, I played sports, but I wasn't great at them. And I, you know, we talked about, I struggled in school. And then when I found acting, I found the one thing that I loved. So for me, I've always loved what I do. Like I, if I wasn't acting in a movie, I'd be doing Man of La Mancha in Pacoima. I mean, I would be doing something in the arts. Sure. In, I mean, teach me at some point, you know, at some point in my life, I was like, I wasn't working and I was in this big house and, you know, I'd made a lot of money and then I was transitioning from being a young actor to a man. And it was, you know, it was, it was not, it was a good long stretch there where I was like, oh, I could, I could be the guy that never comes back. I'd be Judd Nelson. I could be, you know, all these kids that we grew up with that never transitioned to being a man. And it's like hard. Like Jake Ryan and 16 yeah, Candles. I mean, where's Jake? I mean, you know, that kid was on fire and 
I think he's actually he's a carpenter out in Utah or something. But we know that. That's so funny. Yeah. But yeah. But he was like, I'm out. He was so awesome. He was amazing. He was gorgeous. (laughs) Um, But the idea of like being that guy and not getting a chance to come back and not doing what you want to do would have been really hard. So I was like, what do I do? Do I go and change jobs and become a carpenter and leave, or do I double down and and stay and chasing a dream? And so I would like, we sold our house, we sold our cars, we sort of changed the way we live our life. My wife went back to work and I started teaching acting because I was like, well, worst case scenario, I'll just teach the rest of my life. Where did you teach? Um, I teach at Vancouver Film School. So I go up there a couple times a year. Um, wow. I teach in LA. I teach, I'll fly back to New York to teach. I mean, I, I was like, oh, this is what I'll do instead of like becoming a carpenter. I'm just going to keep doing what I love. And that sort of restructuring of what's important, it's not about chasing, you know, the number one. It's not about that, that manic thing. It's about sort of the journey, you know, that, that sort of changed the way I walk through this career. Yeah, that's amazing because, you know, similarly, say that fast. Similarly. Similarly. I do not. I have a mushy mouth. Yeah, similarly. Tyler? Similarly, yeah, fuck bastard. Man. God a damn it, son of a quick bitch. brain, doughy eyes, quick mind, and curly, beautiful hair. Eyes. Similarly, I found acting like you, and that I was like, oh my god, I not being me is great. That was the difference. It wasn't that I love. I did love it, but I was so scared of it, and I think I never lost that fear. It still scares me. I get when I you know have to read for something, or I get I get something every day is like the same day. It's a Groundhog's Day where I like I'm so hard on myself because I want to be great. I want to be perfect. It's different. <gasps> yeah, but that is that's what kills you. I mean, but I that's what kills. That, me. Yeah, yeah, that's that, too that much. Chase of, there is no perfection. There is just the moment you're in. There is no way. You, there, there is nothing you, you can't do that. How do you stop it? How do you just wake up in the morning and not have anxiety besides Zoloft? It, look, it's practice, it's it's fellowship, it's training, it's understanding that no matter what you do in that room, it doesn't define who you are, that, that you're collecting hours to get to the end of your life. I mean, literally, the minute you let go of perfection, being accepted, needing that acceptance, the minute you let go of all that stuff, you're in the room and that's what people want. It's like I, I always say to the student, the kids I teach. I'm like, look, if a guy's at a bar and he comes up to you or, you know, a man or a woman and and you can sense their desperation for you to want them, you can sense their desperation of like connecting or hooking up like that is repulsive. And it's not, it's, it's, it's visceral. It's animalistic. You can feel somebody who's desperate that need to be seen. It's the person that is in their own skin that is alive and you're like, ah, that's the person that that's the charisma. That's the thing I want. And it's the same thing with acting. The more you let go, the more you're like, Hey, I'm here for this moment. Let's just do this thing to be in the moment. That's true. I always notice when I'm like, I have nerves and then I go in and I do something. There's something in my brain that goes, all right, being nervous is not working for you. No. Yeah. It's you got to change. And I somehow can change it a lot of times where I just, boom, I hit like, even if I start out where I go, you know, I fuck this in my head and I get, and then I get right into it. Right. And sometimes that helps, but it's hard. It's hard. And especially when you, you know, look, when you're not working, you have kids to feed. And you, you need a job. You need a job. It's not, you know, there, there's this thing going around right now called the dignity of work, right? And I think that the sense that working helps define you as a person and it gives you a purpose in life. And the fact that as actors, the reason they are so self-destructive, the reason that they end up 
lost on this journey is because you're supposed to be sad. I mean, there was a thing yesterday coming out that somebody in um, reality TV is now taking their own life again. And that there's this movement to take care of people that have been on reality TV. Cause there's this, there's pension for, for taking their own lives because you're now you were somebody and now that's all removed. And now you're walking through life and you don't know who you are and you don't have a job and you don't have a purpose. That is the stuff that kills actors and, and artists and reality contestants. I mean, this idea that, there's dignity in work is an important thing for an artist. And the more you find other avenues to work, the more you feel like you have a purpose. We're going deep. Is it always this deep here on yes. inside of you? Is it always? No, I mean, I, that's how I want it. I like this. I'm learning. That's See, good. I'm learning oh, from you. I'm okay. learning from you. You are a teacher. I am. I love teaching. I love teaching. You're really good. Because like I'm like, I, I forget that I'm even interviewing you right now. Well, it's good. I really am thinking, oh my God, all these things I want to do now. And like, how am I going to approach things? And I, I've just been taking a day at a time. And I'm trying to find, like, I'm 46 years old. And I'm, I'm still working on purpose. Like, this show gave me a little purpose. That's good. I, it's bizarre because my friends are, you know, you're an actor. You're... And I'm like, yeah, but I, I don't know. It's something about this that I find out more about me. I find out more. It's, it's, like, it's a moment where with everybody on their phones, I'm sitting here with you and I'm having a conversation and I'm not thinking of anything else other than you 20 minutes late. And- I'm so late. I was so late. So, <laughs> no, sorry. no, I, I don't care. And it's just like, you know, you, I don't know. It's this interaction that I really like. And then I noticed that people really love it. Like the guy walking past the car when you were pulling in. Uh-huh. He goes, dude, I'm listening to your John Cryer interview right now. Oh, that's funny. And I'm like, oh, my God. It's, it, that means a lot, and it's cool, and it's like, you know, people are affected by that, so whatever. Look, I go back to, I hear what you're saying. I think that that goes back to purpose. That goes back to, what am I doing? Right? I'm a successful actor. I've been on these successful shows, but what am I doing with my life? That's like, right. right. Like, that's uh, right. You know, the thing that people don't understand, you know, I once in class... Um, I, I took out my my book for the you know I took out my I, iPhone and I was like hey I want to go over my last year's calendar and I'm doing this right now in front of the whole class I got a whiteboard and I'm like I'm just gonna I, I've gone through and I'm I'm searching for all my appointments and I'm gonna put together my most incredible year I've ever had I was in the Descendants so I was on like press tours and I was with George Clooney and you know we had done opening movies and like. On a, an Academy Award tour, you are going to events and you're like doing this whole thing. I'd done two independent movies and a play in Los Angeles. This was my year. Like I had an incredible year. And I was like, and I'm and I was in class, so I was like, I was kicking ass. I was an artist. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm gonna go through and I'm gonna count up my hours. I'm gonna just we're gonna round things off. I'm gonna my here's my auditions, here's my pilot season. I'm gonna go through and we're gonna go all of it's gonna be counted and we'll round up. So I started going through and I started collecting these hours. And if I broken out, it had turned out it was like an hour thing. I was like, this is what this is my audition, this is what happened. Like I kind of walked my kids through like what my my audition was like, if I remembered it, or what it was like to do, and, and you know, all these things. And at the end of it, if I calculated an eight-hour day, five days a week. I worked like four and a half months over the course of the year. And I literally said, I will never in my life have a year like this as an actor ever, ever again. It won't happen because the amount of work was overwhelming. Like, this is as good as it gets. And if I could lay out right now that this is the best year of my life, it's probably a great year for you. But in four and a half months, that's not what kills an actor. This isn't what leads you astray. 
this is the best part of your year. It's the rest of the year that ends up destroying your humanity because you're like, what are you doing? What are you doing the entire month of November or December? Yes, okay, I know I should go to the gym. Yes, I could learn another language, but that's where you get lost. And that's what ends up being really hard. And I think that's with everybody. You're not just talking about actors, you're talking about, you know, People who have real jobs, yeah. not to say acting is not a real job. I'm it is for sure not. I mean, not a, not a real, not we're a real. making play. We're making right. pretend. But like for all my friends in Indiana or friends in New York that have like wake up and nine to five jobs. If you're just working and you're not doing anything for yourself or you're not doing anything that gives you more purpose. For I sure. think you could still fall into that category because I think it's it's humanity in general. Yes, you have to have, you have to have something like if you are on that grind. And look, my whole family's in Michigan, and they're right. on the grind. I mean, they are Detroit blue collar trying to make ends meet. And you know, it's that thing you have to have something in your life that gives you fellowship. Like you have to be surrounded by people that you love, and that's yeah. family, and that's you know for a lot of people that's church. For me, it was always the theater. I mean, I do play readings in my living room every two weeks to get people together to talk about journey, to talk about where people are at, to talk about. So it's like AA for actors without it's, the alcohol and drugs. Yeah, I it's mean, a, we'll get cheap wine and cheap food, and you sit around and cold read a play, and you're like, I'm not a dad, I'm not a husband in this moment, I'm an actor surrounded by people that I like to be around and what kind of people come to your house it's everyone i mean i've invited random i mean I'll, a waitress at a restaurant I'm like hey she you came over on red oh yeah yeah so you'll come over and you're like look we have like you know it's ebbs and flows so if i'm working it does it's not happening but if it's if i'm not working and i need that thing to you know sort of like connect to the next get the juices flowing. yeah and I'll, who, who's I'll the who's the biggest actor you had over there i don't really have a lot of big actors you have no big actor friends I don't have, it's funny because I, you know, in the back of my mind, I want to do, I really want to do a podcast. Um, and the well, thing Well, why don't that, you steal my editor and my fucking producer? <laughs> like they're, the they're already busy. They're already busy. I'm game, man. I work one day a week right now. Oh, yeah. I'm fail. Well, he's going to be my yeah. editor for the other podcast we're doing. Don't mention You're that. You're doing two? I'm doing another one, yeah. Nice. Me and a, and a buddy. I can't tell the buddy's name because we're going to do an announcement. But I, guy, you guys are listening. But it's we're gonna, Brando. We're going to be doing another <laughs> one coming soon. Uh we're in it's in the works but yeah go ahead so i mean but the part of it that i can't do is the part that you you hunting me down you did a great job of like i I wanted to do it but i was like i'm flaky and i don't you know the idea of sitting here and talking about myself for an hour is like oh my god who wants that but you didn't but that's exactly what we're not doing we're sort of talking about life and 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 things so it's a little different but it is different but you're still like look the idea that i'm now thinking about oh i just told everyone in america that the hardest part of my life is not working for six months six and a half months is like oh you're such an asshole you know what i mean that's that's but why no it's of, it's filling your time and doing something purposeful that's yeah why I know, is that, like, that, didn't, that didn't come across that way to me well because it does i mean look i, I like talking about life yeah i like talking about these things but the hardest part for me is like can you get people to sit across from you? Is it interesting for other people to do? And at the end of the day, like, who am I going to get? I have like 10 friends in this. I mean, I've, I'm friendly with everyone. I mean, that's the weird thing I think about my life. And maybe you have a different experience. I moved to Pasadena. I had kids and a wife. Like, I am not part of the Hollywood cinema. Yeah. I am not in this world. My Rolodex has like, you know, 10 people on it that I love. I mean, I love everyone I've ever worked with. There's like three Everyone? people. Well, there's three people in my life I would talk shit about, but I would never do it personally. I would never do it publicly. publicly. Yeah. And I would, there's three people that if you are working with that person 
and I know about it, I'll be like, hey, just FYI, that person's a jerk. Does it rhyme with Fev Famble? No, never. <laughs> is she the nicest ever? She's the nicest ever. Fev Campbell. Um, but the Skeeter. you know the idea of trying to bring now the whole podcast is like no no I'm not going to ask you I'm not going right. to get you personal uh, but no but the idea of like trying to get people in yeah, to yeah. sit down is hard I think that would well, be tough let me say this um the, the people the core people that I usually hang out with are not celebrities for the most part I don't hang out with celebrities um Dax has a family he's very busy so we try to see each other we we text here and there right. I love him. So I have friendships that were like, hey, text, how are you? What's going on? Let's get lunch or something sometimes. But the core of my friends are, I have like a little band. Right, I, have, sure. I have my friend Tom, I've known 35 years. My friend Ken, 20 years. But it's the same people. And I how have. do you know them? I grew Industry? up with Tom in Newburgh, Indiana. He lived down the street. He was popular. I wasn't. He wanted to be my roommate in college. Have you ever had him on the show? No, he'd be really nervous. So what? Uh, maybe, maybe I should and see if it comes. It turns out right. It, it kind of be fun. My friend Rob, who works for uh, marketing for homeless uh, for homeless people, and um, you know he's my lead guitarist. I hang out with just a bunch of guys who have real jobs, and sure. like, you know. And I, by the way, I feel like I'm more grounded when I'm around them, and they keep me grounded. Sure. I think if you start hanging out with just celebrities and you're all around that, it's just like there's not a lot of what's the word depth. It's not even in my lexicon. I, mean, yeah. I don't know. You know. I mean, I, I have famous friends, but that's who's yeah. your most famous friend. My most famous friend? Most famous like, friend. How do you define friend? Uh, somebody that you can call, you can text and go, hey, do you want to grab lunch? And they're like, hell yeah, let's do it. Like hang out? I don't have that. <laughs> I mean, I could, uh, Seth Green and Dax, I mean, I can say, hey, let's get together. Yeah, those guys yeah. are phenomenal. Seth Green and Dax. Right. But then like, you know, I mean, I've done. I mean, George like, Clooney. If you I'm, not, I'm not, no. You like, have his number? Yeah, I have his you number. You have Clooney's number. I, yeah, I think. Thing. And you never thought of like saying, "Hey, man, I've been talking to you." Email while. for sure. So you ever email and no, say, God, "Hey, Clune no, Dog. I would never do that. No, Clune Dog. No. It's been a while. <laughs> I haven't seen you. To the, no, I would I not haven't do seen that. you since no. the Descendants. Biatch. Oh my God, no! I would never do that. He would probably love it. I, he That's would Matt not. Lillard. He I would love not. That guy. He would not. He Why would, would not. he not like it? Because he's like he's in he's someplace famous and glorious, and he's I just I'm yeah, not and my... he hears from a real down to earth guy named Matt Lillard who lives in Pasadena, yeah. and he's like, dude, <laughs> fuck yeah, I'm tired of hanging out with Tarantino and all these oh, fucking God. rich pompous ass people, and I want to hang out with Lillard. Let's I want to kick hit, it. I want to Let's hit, play Dungeons and Dragons. I want to play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I want to go to the Olive Garden in Pasadena, sure. <laughs> and I want to fucking just chill out with Lillard and his Red family. Stick bitches, right? Let's lock down all of all of the garden. It's the same reason. I mean, I just it would never. I would never. It's just not my life. Because I, I do think it goes back to who are you. My life is like I'm the fat kid. That idea, like social anxiety. My kids, both of my kids, go through some social anxiety stuff. And for a long time, I'm like, what are you talking about? You're super personable. You're first, you're charming as shit. Like, and then I was like, Oh wait, I have social anxiety. Me at a Hollywood party is like, get me out of here. Me at like a country club party. I'm like, Oh my God, my skin is crawling. You put me with a bunch of artists. You put me with a bunch of actors. Like I couldn't be happier. But when you put me outside of my element, Oh, I just, it, I can't, I, I can't, I can't do it. It freaks me out. You know what? I understand that because I have the same. I always feel like I don't belong. I yes. always feel I hung but out. Don't you, do you think that's I, everyone? I, do feel, I think that's. I think that no, every. No, you don't no. think so? I make it clear I'm uncomfortable. I say this. I like. I just like look. I I feel like I have to be funny. I have to be on, or they're not going to accept me. Right. 
and I'm boring. And I don't like, that's why it's like, I had so many arguments with like my representation, my manager, my agent who were like, dude, go to this, go to the golden globes. I'm like, no, I don't have a movie or a TV show. Why would I do that? Go to this party. It's going to be a lot. It's important. And no, it's not. I can't do that. I don't have a, so I've fought them forever. I'm somebody who, you know, I do podcasts. I do, you know, social media for the podcast and I make funny videos and stupid shit. But like, I don't, I don't do the Hollywood thing really. Right. Like you said, when you walked in, you're like, oh my God, why do you have a Napoleon Dynamite poster? Why do you have a jerk poster? Why do you have all autographed? I'm like, you know, because as a kid, that's all I did. I had movies. That's all I had was I watched movies. That was my life. And so now I'm still that kid in high school who, when he sees Wes Craven or when he sees, you know, uh, not not anymore. I like that. I'm like, oh my God, this is so exciting. I want to get your autograph. I mean, I don't say it right then. I'm very, I'm very cool about it. Like Stallone, when I worked with him two weeks, we were at the last day and I go, Yo, Sly, you know, we were cool at that point. You called me Pippi Longstocking because I had all these dots on my face from the CGI. So he said, I go, here, Pippi, what are you doing? I'm like, hey, will you sign my Rambo lunchbox? He goes, you got a Rambo lunchbox? What do you got? How old are you? You're 46 years old. You got a Rambo lunchbox? (laughs) And he signed it and had a thermos in it. He couldn't believe it. Um, But... Then did you have it before, or did you know you were? I had it. No, you, I had it. Dude. You found it eBay. No, I swear I had the Rambo lunchbox, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna have the Rambo lunchbox. Was that on Guardians? That was on Guardians. James Gunn may be the, my most famous friend. Now, do you ever think well, we could talk about this because James won't listen to this, and he's one of my best friends as well. Do you think uh, you ever are like, dude, I killed it for him in in Scooby Doo? Why doesn't he put me in Guardians? Mm. No. I killed it for him in Scoob. I mean, look, I tried out. I mean, I auditioned for Guardians. I did, too. I, I tested for the uh, for Pratt's role, and I, you know, he was brilliant. I mean, uh, I'm just saying, do you I ever... didn't test for that. <laughs> I went to... Um, I did Taserface. Oh, you're the greatest I, Taser. I, I, oh, my God. Yeah, and I was like... My buddy Chris Sullivan was, yeah. Yeah, and I, I was like... And I saw him the night... That same night, he had a party. The, the same day I auditioned, and he came up to me. He was like, oh, my God, you were good. Thank God. <laughs> So it was good. So I was in the running, but I didn't get. All the right. Job. So yeah, he loves you. I mean, I, I, mean all... I love him. I, I love him. And yeah, that's, I, that's the I whole thing with that be. stuff. But I want. But I look. There's no doubt. Like somebody asked me on Twitter recently, "What is the you know what role do you want?" And I was like, right. "Whatever movie James Gunn's doing." And that's really? the guys. Yeah, because I, I because I I love him. I don't know. I do too. And some people will go, "Dude, he's doing Guardians. Why don't you ask him for?" I go, "You don't ask. He's my. Look, he's one of my best friends. If he wants to put me in something, he'll sure. think of me. He knows. I, he, he knows, knows I, I want his job. Yeah, he, yeah. Knows, he knows I want that exist. Job. Yeah, yeah. You know. And I was, I was eternally grateful for. But that's, doing but, Guardians. but that's, but that's the thing is you go back to and you were in it. I wasn't in it. The idea of going back to like it's hard. I mean, you want to be number one on the call sheet. You want that job, and it's like even your good friend. You're not working for. I mean, that's the thing that's crazy to me. I mean, I, I look at the producers of Scooby Doo. I'm like, you guys have made, like, you know, Richard dude, Suckle dude. and Chuck Robin. You guys have made a lot of really big movies. There's not a part. You don't. Oh, there's no way. I there's know. nothing that I can. There's like, no, can I bring? Can can I come in an audition? Like, can I at least fight for the job? Dude, I listen. The reality is, I look, we've all worked. I remember I did Urban Legend right after Scream. It was, you know, people call it a Scream ripoff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I enjoyed it. I loved it. I thought it was a fun movie. And all those huge producers, Neil Moritz. Sure. He came up to me one day and goes, you're the next Tom Hanks. Of course, I knew I was not the next Tom Hanks. Nobody could be the next Tom Hanks. But I loved it. I was young, eager. I was like, fuck yeah. Never heard from this guy. But he does all these big, giant movies that make billions of dollars. 
He couldn't have said, hey, Rosenbaum, we come in and give 10 lines in one scene and crush it. Right. Not one call. I could tell you this about so The one guy that does it, James Gunn, put me in a movie, and my buddy Dax Shepard. Dax Shepard, every movie he's made, he's done, Rosie, I got a role for you. Rosie, I got this for you. He, it's like when you think of like, working with your friends is the best time. How many times do I hear, hey, you're good friends with Jason Reitman, aren't you? I'm like, I am. I love Jason. Why hasn't he put you anything? I'm like, maybe I'm not right for the 500 roles he's <laughs> For every Maybe role. I'm not good. No, he auditioned me for something in um, up in the air, and uh, I was not good. I was not good in the audition. I didn't no? take it seriously. I don't know. I just kind of winged it. I don't. I, I sometimes, you know, I don't. Is that self destructive? It is. I, I don't want to put. Here's the thing. I don't want to put so much. Although I'm doing it right now. You, sometimes you put so much work into something, then you, when you don't get it, it's like fuck. I just felt like I just worked for two weeks for something that I didn't even get. You know, the best, you know, but at least, you, but that, but I go back I to, know, I know, it sounds like, I the, know. Okay. No, go ahead. Say no, it. No, but the, the, the idea is that the, it's two weeks. At least you're working on something. That's two weeks of purpose. Oh, that's you're two calling weeks that work. It. Okay. Yeah, it oh, is yeah, work. That's what I'm saying. Like that's that you're collecting hours. Oh Our job God. is to collect hours. Dude. Right? If you believe in 10,000 hours, you're like, oh dude, I'm just collecting hours. Lillard. Yeah, the light just went off. I now understand exactly what you're fucking talking about. Yeah, dude. you're saying that that two weeks of me busting my ass is fulfilling. It's like I just who put... cares about result, dude? Give me a hot. <laughs> dude, that is. Do you hear this, Tyler? This is really good advice. This is like Tyler when you leave here and you're like, oh, I got to edit that shitty podcast. What are you gonna do with the rest of the day? Go to the coffee bean? Why don't you go fucking? Uh, party somewhere i mean you bastard i think i think it's a universal thing for like millennials right now to put so much stake in work and to put so much worth in how much you work you know there was a time where i was working like one or two days a week and i was like how do i get that to five how do i what why yeah. well i mean yeah. like i it's super hard and i i do think that there's a lot of people out there who are doing work with the express purpose of a result that is going to further them. Right. And my argument is that if you're living the life of a craftsman, that it's actually just doing the work is the point that it's not the shoe that you turn out. That's important. It's the lifetime of shoes. And so, you know, if you're, I have to have a better work ethic, I think. Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know about, I don't know. You're, you're here doing this. I mean, this is a work ethic. I I really, by the way, worked hard. I'm going on this audition first time in a while. That I it was something I really liked, and I've put some time into it. That's good. I have put some time into it because I think it's really good, and I think that's another thing. If you're like excited about something because you think it has potential and it's good, but like for me, sometimes when I'm like, I get sort of what's the word? I don't know. I don't know if it's bored or uh, just lack of interest, apathetic, apathetic. But I'm like, oh, it's another one of these. They want me to play this guy the same guy that I have done before, or they want me to do this or not interested. There's this one with a huge director, huge writer, Oscar award winner that they wanted me to read for. And I didn't say no, because I think the guy is brilliant. I think the whole thing's brilliant. It's just not what I want to do. I don't want to just say, Oh, I'm working with an Academy award winner or I'm working with that's not, I mean, I do, sure, but I, I don't want to do something because it's everyone's perception of me. Of if I do it, they'll go. Oh, he's working with. I just didn't particularly like th- what it was. I just didn't like it. Yeah. yeah. What the question isn't what you don't. What do you like? Mm. I like you. I like Tyler. I like. Um, I mean, that's the thing. Is like. I like, so I'm saying is that 
finding something that turns you on and chasing that's what it the is. shit out of it. Whatever and that's the thing about is. millennials. Like you have to find what turns you on and just chase it. And it's going to end up where it's going to end up. Yeah. But it's the it's that hunt that is yeah. super rewarding. A lifetime I, this is hunt. rewarding. To me, I after an hour, I go, wow, I really like Lillard. God, he was so full of life. So many great stories to tell. I haven't told any stories. Have I? Oh, yeah, you haven't really told. Aren't you glad we really didn't talk about like all the stuff that people always ask you about? Yeah. We really didn't, did we? Are we done? I don't want, I'm not done. I, don't, I, I didn't going. say we're done. I'm just saying, keep going. like, for instance, okay, you have three children. So many kids. Are you emotional? Are you, do you, do you show your emotions? Like, my dad never cried. My dad never told me he loved me. My dad, poor me. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying my dad was one of those tough guys, mowed the lawn with, without a grass catcher. Rocks and dog shit are flying in his face. He didn't care. And, uh, have you said, have you told that story? Is that something? Is that how you describe your dad often? No, that was the first time I ever said that. That is an amazing. I wrote, you know, I wrote a pilot that I sold to Fox years ago, and that was the description of my father. With that's the but that's the last time. So is are you? So you have you taken that stoic nature in your life? I mean, yeah, I think that I'm. I'm. Uh, look, I'm not going to blow smoke up my ass because I have a lot of fucking insecurities and weaknesses, but I definitely am a giving, loving, there for you when you need me person as and i'm also a very steal the spotlight kind of fucking center of attention and can be annoying as shit can be all those things but i know that i'm actually have a really big heart and right. i'm always available so are you an only child no i'm kind of in the middle kid my mom had two kids and divorced then married my dad when he was 18 had me so the middle then my brother then my dad they got divorced and he had two more kids and then, uh... but it's kind of all over the place but they don't talk but anyway so are you emotional with the kids do you see anything and you cry and your kids see you cry ever is that why you're not in a long-term partnership why do you think that because your dad i mean the, the 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 modeling of partnership that your dad had and sort of its result on you I mean, you like can't... if you're like this caring person and you have this sense of depth. Oh, to I you, get what you're saying. Yeah, like, uh, but yeah, like, it's odd to me that you're not in a partnership. I mean, not that I'm judging it. I'm just it curious. Is. I mean, at some point, at 46, you said you're 46. 45. Yeah, I'll be 47. So the idea of like, why am I not in a partnership? You, it must be a question in your life somewhere, right? I want to be in a partnership. Yeah. Really so, so, I, what, so what is? So I what don't is know. The thing? I'm, I think you I'm do very, know. I think you I'm do very know. picky. I think if I see any similarities with any woman with my mother. Uh huh. I run as far as I can. If I see anything where it resembles any kind of, uh, I, I don't want to be, you know, I'm, I'm not judgmental. I just know what's not right for me. I'm a, you know, I have a lot of energy kind of guy. I get sometimes a little moody. I'm usually funny. I'm always a good time. It's fun, but I'm very self deprecating and I'm very open about everything. You know, I need someone who's not as the energy I am. I'm sure your wife is probably keeps you like she's. Oh, we are diametrically opposed. Exactly. And that's what I think I need. So, you know, I'm going on a date tonight, actually. That's good. Are you, do you know her? Uh, Yeah, I met her on a dating site. And so what I do is I have these things where when I go out, I, um, I have a lunch. If we're taking a chance at like meeting for the first time, let's have lunch. Let's have a snack because you might not like me and you can go home in an hour. Because it's lunch. If I commit to a dinner with you, this could be a nightmare. Let's not set up a nightmare. We haven't met. Unless you want to FaceTime for a few times, do something to get to like see each other. 
So uh, that that's sort of my MO. I'm like, I think it's better than like going on tons of dates. It's like, hey, I don't even consider it a date. It's like, hey, we're two friendly people seeing if we want to have a date later. Sure. And when you sit down, is there pressure to be on? No, no. I'm but very- you're on, a, but you just said that I'm on a lot. That has to be. Well, I'm a on the pressure. I'm, I'm naturally on. Right. Like I'm not. Na- I'm not trying. No, I'm just kind of like you know. I, I'll pretty much say everything. I'm not trying to impress them as much as I am trying to just like dissuade them. <laughs> no, that's not true. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to show you all the bad stuff in less yeah, than a I lunch. shit with the door open sometimes. I don't want to miss anything. No, here is where I am broken. I'm broken in a lot of places, but I need you know. But this one girl, she was, you know, look, it's woman. Uh, again, this woman, this, this woman. Did I say girl? You did say girl. Yeah, I didn't mean that. Is that condescending? No. Is that politically no. correct? I didn't You're mean 45, that. 46. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. So maybe it's best. Look, woman, I'm trying. Woman. I mean, maybe I don't look, I don't want to be alone, but I don't want to get married because I don't want to be alone. No, I, get, no I, was, yeah, I, get I want, I want to fall in love. I've been in relationships, but I just, uh, I don't like waking up. Like, I have two great dogs. You met them. Great. You wrestle with the them dogs. on the floor. I love them. And I, I love them. And I, I have a great assistant. Sure. It's like a marriage, but we're not attracted to each right. other. Uh, we're just, it's it's business and she's cool. And, you know, it's nice to have someone who comes over every day. And, we're, you know, and I have friends. I have a good life. I have good, you know, decent family. So what, do, I mean, unless it's just something that goes, sure, I, yeah. I go, wow, I'm not going to like just get married to get married. God, I'd love no. to have a kid. God, no. God, no. But you got lucky. Yeah, super lucky. Is that the one you met in Europe, or is that uh, no? Yeah, she is. You met, well, you yeah. didn't meet her in Europe. You brought her as a friend. Uh, no, I met her at a party. Heather, and she, Heather, and she said that they were going to Italy for this wedding, and whatever happened in Italy stayed in Italy. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get my ass to Italy. So you guys slept together in Italy? No, for sure. we didn't. You hooked up? No, you made out. We you did make out. out. We make out. That was nice. Yeah. I, by the time I left Italy, I was like, I'm going to marry that woman. Did you ever think 20 years or 19 years later that you'd dye your hair blonde and then she wouldn't look at you? She wouldn't care. She does not care even a little. Are you guys still really in love? Yeah. I, there's no doubt. I can't imagine my life without her. We're symbiotic. Yeah. Um, but it's not like, it's very different than a, your first lunch. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, oh, yeah. you know, you're, you're battling, you're co-inhabiting to raise kids you have, you know, that you're on a journey together. So it's, it's that we're at the, I mean, we're at the point, I mean, I was at the point early on in my life. I'm like, oh, I'm never leaving. I, I, it doesn't even cross my mind. You're like, you're just on a journey together. We have like awesome, mo- you know, you ebb and flow. I mean, you have these moments where you're on fire and you go away for a weekend. You're like, oh my God, there's my wife. And do you, you have know, those moments no, where you yeah. miss her and you're like, oh my God, I miss my wife. Yeah, I mean, because I'm I leave a lot, and I yeah. miss my kid. You know, you miss the. I mean, I'm a I'm a I'm a day day. I'm a I'm the guy that takes the kids to school. I pick them up. I go to soccer practice. I manage the soccer team for my kid. I, Take them to Olive Garden. Yeah, I never go Olive Garden. Hmm. That's not my thing. Okay, I'm not the, I'm not a gardener. You're a good dad. You seem like a good dad, a good, good husband. I think I'm a good dad. I think I'm a good dad. Yeah. I'm trying my damnedest to be a great dad. I mean, it's the same thing with being an actor. Like, I want to be a brilliant dad. You want to be good at everything you do. For things I care about, I want to strive to be incredible. For the things that I that I hold value in, I want to be amazing at. But there's all kinds of things I fall short on, and I make all kinds of mistakes, and I'm not brilliant at nearly anything. You want to be 85 years old and still acting? A hundred percent. I want to die an artist. See, I, I really commend you for that because I look at, like, even Dax is like, I just love acting. I don't care what it is. I go, well, I do. 
I care kind of what it is. Yeah, yeah. I care know? what it is. I mean, I've done a lot of bad stuff, you know. Um, he cares what it is. He's turned down things that are bad. No, I'm just saying that he's like, he just loves to work, I think. He which, does. Which, which was a great thing. And I, I love to work, but he makes it sound like it's just so fun all the time. To me, 14, 16 hours a day doing the same fucking thing isn't that fun. Yeah. It's just I, not. Look, I do think that you look at the shape of his career. He never had to go to Vancouver and work those 16-hour days. Yeah. Smallville is a, I'm assuming, because I do know that world. I've seen that world intimately. That when you're on that 14, 16, 17-hour grind, that it changes the way you look at it. It, it is as bad as any 9-to-5 job twice a day i mean you know you're there for a long periods of time yeah and it's for me i just i think i just went into hibernation after i was just kind of yeah. like you know i just well i guess not i actually went off and did a, my movie and i i just i felt like i i never really recovered you know you need that decompression that downtime or whatever after you do projects don't you feel like you work on something you feel like you just need to or do you ready for the next one well, I've always look. I've never had that grind. Dax has never had that grind. I've never been on that procedural. I mean, I look at procedurals. I'm like, oh, I can't. I don't know how you do it. It's so hard. It's so long. They're long days, and there's not a lot of reward in the work. So, but being but guest I've, star is the hard. That's the hardest thing to come yeah, in. But and you do kind of, yeah, but you yes, for sure. It's a weird thing. You don't know anyone. It's like every you're at somebody's Thanksgiving. It's like I don't gonna try to do the best I can to like hang in here. Yeah. Um. But that's like, I can jump into that world because I know I'm jumping out. You know, but like my jobs I've had on TV have been like, I'm on Good Girls now. I work, you know, three days a week. Where's I, Good Girls? Good Girls, NBC. NBC. Here, it's on, Do you love it? Uh, it's awesome. I have a great job. I have a great job. A what great number are you on the call sheet? Uh, four. Ooh, you like that, don't you? <laughs> no, when four is, a, I think I'm four. Yeah, I love. I work with Christina Hendricks all the time. She's a she's great. I met her amazing. She is being. so awesome, so sweet, and like our showrunners are great. And we're doing a show that's like outside the box. It's awesome. See, yeah, it's good. Life's good. Life is good. It it's is really, good. You yeah. seem like a genuinely have you. You don't get depression bouts of depression. I do, but I. But here's the thing: my life is super active. The idea of like you know, the, the dignity of work, like the idea, like I'm not like for a long time, I would wait for a long time. I would call my manager, or my agent. I'd be like, Hey, I need a job. I need a job. I need a job. And I was defined by what I was doing. Mm. I just started Dungeons and Dragons company with my five. Best yeah, friends. dude. I, I like do this thing with kids at five acres where we create the slam poetry one night. There's a thing called hatch where, you know, people out there are trying to save the world and that community is a, a community I'm involved in. Jeez, you I teach, teach in Vancouver. I teach all the time. I mean, I literally will pull into a city. I'd be like, I'm here. Can I teach? I mean, I was How do you York. have the time and you have a family and a yeah, wife? But like, but you have to, like I go back to like, what are you doing during the day? The idea is like, you have time. Like I am really good at FIFA. I'm really good at Xbox FIFA. I love FIFA. So I you take time every week to FIFA. play little games. Yes, but I but I go through those periods. Like I will go and I will take a team from, you know, the the whole season. I'll play a whole season of FIFA soccer <laughs> in a week. But then I'm like, I got to go back and I got to now I have to be active. I've got to do stuff outside of this job, outside of this business. If you weren't busy, you'd go crazy. I feel like I have more going on than most people because I like I like doing things. I like being You're around people. And I like going, we should go that way. And we have a company called Hive Be Good and we throw events where people come together to you know to to group think how to change the world. I mean, it's 
you know, that's kind of stuff you're like, now you're sitting with like leaders in their community trying to fix homelessness or, or affordable housing or how to get gang members back into the world and give them dignity. I mean, these are things you're like, Oh, these, these moments are bigger than, than me. So it makes like the idea of like going out and chasing a job. Okay. I got that because I'm doing all these things. This is no longer as important as, cause you've got all these other things going on. Jesus. I feel like such a loser. <laughs> Tyler. I mean, you, I mean, you oh. have a podcast, and you said you're planning on starting another. That's like, like you podcasts. said, you, you love doing this. You love talking to him and talking to yeah. You know. But also, I'm like, you know, maybe sometimes it's like, you know, I'm doing so much, but I feel like I'm doing things like I'm doing this podcast for me. I'm doing all these, not just for me. Yeah, but I'm I'm glad I tracked you down. Well, I'm glad. Yeah, I am because I was pretty persistent, and I just you know. It's good. I wanted to do it. I just no. I know you got you. Listen, like, oh, God. I, it's obvious how much shit you got going on. But you know, I met you. Did I meet you on without a paddle through Dax? No, before that, I knew you somehow before that. Was that New we York met friend? We was Seth Green. Could have been Seth. Yeah. There's people in this career in this life. You're like I've known you forever. We've been friendly forever, but I don't know how we ever became friends at first. We never worked together. Yeah. You have so much like insight. Like I want you to be my therapist. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not good. I'm not good. Why at that. you do so many things? Is that his podcast? That maybe every week you well, guys that... get together. It's a therapy session. It's for just you. a therapy session for me. Just yeah. Rosenbaum and Willow's <laughs> therapy sessions every week. As we dig in. Oh man! Well, what a treat. Well, and, thanks, uh, thanks, buddy. Thanks for coming over. Cheers, man. All right. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Should we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.